This country was built on a distinctly American work ethic. But today, work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries. And with that, we sent away good jobs and diminished our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make a variety of high-quality clothing and activewear, like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more. All made right here in the USA, from growing the cotton and adding the final touches. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs for seamsters, cutters, and factory workers in towns and cities across the United States. And it's about more than an income. Jobs bring pride. Purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Barnyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Maroon Friday edition of The Yard. It's uh, one day closer to being back at Davis Wade Stadium. I tell you, I think it's going to be a decent crowd. I've had a lot of people ask that this week. I've had more people asking for tickets than offering to sell tickets this week. That hadn't really been the case in uh, in recent weeks. But, um, yeah, despite the fact the team has had some struggles, it does appear that we're going to have a decent crowd on Saturday night. That's one of the things people always speculate about. And, you know, because people we, we, we get so caught up sometimes in our own feelings, we think that no one else could ever feel differently than us. But uh, – it does appear should be a good crowd. So we'll see how things go. I think a lot of it is kind of stems around the fact that we haven't been home in a month. In addition to that, that it is a 6.30 game. We've, we've had two other night games this week. I mistakenly said one yesterday. I had to correct my article. But uh, we haven't had a lot of night games this year. And so that, in turn, gives people the opportunity to come spend the weekend in Starkville. As a matter of fact, uh, last night's dog talk, talk, dog talk show with Zach Arnett had the biggest crowd that we've had all year. A lot of our uh, our friends from out of town are already here. You're beginning to see a little more uh, traffic in town. So, yeah, I think it'll be a good crowd. So if you're on the fence about coming, let me encourage you to come out there. Not just because uh, it should be an enjoyable experience just being on campus, but also, too, I think it's going to be a good crowd. I think the team needs your support. It's going to be a difficult game. And every game is difficult for us right now, right? I mean, let's just kind of call it for what it is. You know, we're, we're a team right now that really needs the assistance of the fan. We need to find a way uh, to push ahead with, uh, you know, home field advantage. So I'd encourage you to come. Starting to see a lot of people pop up here looking for tickets late. So if you are looking to sell, there are some opportunities out there. But it does appear that it is a seller's market right now. Also hearing we may have a new game day enhancement this weekend. Uh, kind of secretive, I guess, and uh, had a source share with me that we're going to try something a little bit different. Hopefully this weekend. Hopefully things go as, uh, as planned. But uh, I commend Zach Salmon and his administration for being willing to maybe change something in season. Right, because more times than not people say, well, you know, we've already got a plan. We'll just wait. 
work on it in the off season. Uh, so I hate to be cryptic about that, but I don't want to burn a source, right, and have somebody else looking silly. But uh, I wanted to use that as an opportunity to say, you know, hey, it looks like you've got an administration here that, number one, recognizes we need to do some things to create a little better atmosphere, but also, two, that's willing to try something different now. Hey, if it doesn't work, we don't have to do it again. Uh, but I think that's rather interesting. And again, uh, you know, for those of you that, that attend the game Saturday night, again, there is a good chance that you're going to see and hear something a little bit different uh, on, on game day. So I just share that just because of the fact that I think it's important to recognize when Mississippi State, number one, recognizes a need, and number two, comes up with a potential solution. There are so many people out there within our fan base, and we're not alone in this respect. We have a blame Mississippi State first mentality. It's like if I was running the show, I would do this differently. I share in that too. There are a lot of things that I would do differently. Nobody asked me, but there are a lot of things I would do differently. But I do like the fact that we're willing to maybe, uh, you know, shift on the fly a little bit here and say, hey, let's try something a little bit different, kind of get people fired up, uh, get people at Davis Wade Stadium kind of locked in. There's a lot of things that go on. And I tell you, the more that I travel, uh, the only road game I've missed in a couple of years was the South Carolina game because I happened to be in San Diego. But, um, you know, the more you travel, the more you realize there's some people out there on game day doing a little bit better job than us. Now, I love our entrance. And I love the Metallica and I love the, you know, the bay door opening up and a team coming out. I think all that is super cool. But there's some other places you go and you look at it and say, you know, and by the time you kick off, man, the crowd is at a fever pitch. Uh, I give our students a ton of credit. They are the lifeblood of the enthusiasm, really, at every sporting event, certainly with basketball and, and football. Uh, I love looking over there and seeing that student section packed. I do. It really fires me up because I know that's the next generation of Bulldog fans that have really grown up in a much better environment than we did. But all that said... You know, the more you travel, the more you realize, hey, there are, there are some things we can do differently. And, I, and I'll tell you, in the past, I've had some people at Mississippi State that worked in marketing and worked in the athletic department and said, hey, you know, Steve, you travel really more than anybody in the media when it comes to Mississippi State. And so if you see something that works somewhere else, maybe let us know. And so I, I've shared those things, and I, I can't say that they've always been as well received, and, and nor should we be a, you know, cookie-cutter operation that we just steal everybody else's ideas. But uh, – you know, I shared some of those things, and uh, one of the cool things, I think it was at A&M, maybe it was Arkansas. No, it was Georgia, now I think about it. Uh, Georgia baseball. They had, in pregame for baseball, on Saturday, they had highlights of Friday's game synced up to their official call. So we'd have Jim Ellis, right? And uh, I shared that with some people, and I think we tried it once or twice. I think that is a really cool thing, especially on games that you win. You know, have a little short highlight package that you put out there and kind of sync it up with your, uh, you know, with your color commentator, your play-by-play guy. I think that's pretty cool. But, uh, yeah, as I travel, I try to share these things because I want Mississippi State's game day experience to be the best it can possibly be. I want other people to come to Mississippi State and say, hey, we should do something like this. And so I'm fired up about what I'm hearing about uh, tomorrow night. And, uh, again, I hate to be cryptic because I don't, I don't like the whole, well, I know something you don't know. No, I'm just trying to say, hey, look, it's not about what's happening. It's the thought process behind it that you've got an administration here that's like, hey, 
Let's experiment a little bit here with our game day environment to see how fans respond, see if it works. You know, that's one of the things historically at Mississippi State, we have been very adverse to change. It's true. I mean, I'm not lobbing shots at anybody. It's just kind of something that's been in our DNA. It's like, well, this is the way we've always done it. That doesn't mean it's right, right? doesn't mean we can't expand upon that and have a better idea. And so, uh, yeah, I, I go back to like the Dan Mullen thing. Like when Dan was here, I remember having a conversation and uh, Dan Mullen sat down with John Cohen. And this is when we needed to find a defensive coordinator after that debacle of a 2016 season. And John told Dan, he said, hey, if money wasn't an option, who are the guys you'd want? And he gave him three names. And then, they, then Dan was told, okay, go get them. Go get your guy. We'll make the money work. And we go get Ty Grantham, right? We put together a nice little run. I, I really think Grantham was uh, Mullen's muse at Mississippi State. It didn't work out as well at Florida. But I thought that was some forward thinking, you know. You go back, you get with Jared Banco, who was the CFO at the time, and say, hey, this is what we want to do. Can we move some money around? Can we make this happen? Can we make our football program more competitive? And we did. And so I think that's kind of where we are and where we need to be is let's find solutions. And let's just don't always throw things back at each other and say, well, you know, this is what we do. Well, you know, what we do may be wrong. You know, and and I, I hate to get in these debates about the, quote, poor old state mentality. But there is some truth in some of that. Of course, there are a lot of people that are part of the poor old state mentality that don't recognize that they are. You know, and to be quite honest with you, you know, a lot of it centers in complaining. You know, complaining and complacency, right? The lunatic fringe of both sides are really part of the poor old state mentality. Like some people think we can't do any better. I completely disagree with that. Completely disagree. Now, we've got to be good stewards of our money. That doesn't mean that we can't be creative and do some things that, uh, that make a lot of sense. You know, there's some things that we could do that make our game day experience in our athletic department rather unique. Um, and so I, th- I think we need to take strides towards that instead of, uh, you know, always thinking about a rainy day fund. And that's a part of our thing, too. You know, we always need to make sure that we're in good financial uh, standing. But at the same time, too, you know, if you want to get people to really pack out these venues, and, uh, and, and, and I think the hump needs it more than anything else, you know, you've got to give people a show. And it's not just the quality of the product on the, on the court and the field, even though that matters most. But there are a lot of people that, you know, it's like, I'll just watch it on TV. Well, what if you came to the game and you could see some things you couldn't see on TV? What if there was an experience that you could enjoy that you couldn't see on TV? You know, it's like when I go to NBA games, I don't go that often, but uh, I've been to several, especially when I lived in Baton Rouge, we went and saw the, uh, they were the Hornets back then. Now they're the Pelicans. We went a lot. Had a chance to see LeBron James play, many others down there. It was great. But when you go to an NBA game, the action is nonstop. Like the game, you know, the game pauses, we go to commercial break or whatever, and then all of a sudden there's all these contests, there's all this excitement, there's this energy, there's dance-offs and things like that. There's just a lot of things that happen that keep you engaged. And we need to do more of that type of stuff. And I, I think what, what I'm hearing, if it works out and it's, everything is good to go this weekend, I think this is a step in that direction. So I just want to share that with you. And again, not to be cryptic because I hate that. I hate it when people do it to me. Because I just want, well, Steve, just tell me. I, I wish I could. But I was told this in confidence, and uh, I agreed on my own. It, it may even upset my source that I said, you know, hey, there's, there's something that's kind of in the works here that could be 
be kind of super cool. Uh, and we'll talk about it more on Monday if things go as, as we hope. That's certainly the case. But again, uh, your tip of the cap to Zach Selman and the administration for saying, hey, let's, let's try something a little bit different and see how it goes. I, I, I dig it, man. I do. Let's thank our friends at Bulldog Burger Company, longtime sponsors of this show. I love Bulldog Burger Company. I love them before they love me. I might even slide in there for lunch today. We'll see. Uh, Got to go eat some catfish later. But uh, all that being said, if you're looking for a great place to go break bread with friends or family or coworkers, you know, I don't know, maybe complete strangers. I don't know what your dining plans are, but they need to center around Bulldog Burger Company. You can go in there and have an adult beverage. Uh, today's a good day for that. You know, many of you are already in town. Go by there and, and feed yourself with the great restaurant-quality hamburgers that are available to you at only at Bulldog Burger Company. And maybe if you don't want to eat that heavy for lunch, get that BLT salad. I like it grilled. You may like it fried. I don't know. But I do like it with ranch every time I get it. I'm from South Mississippi. It's a staple. Get that chocolate shake to go, perhaps that bread pudding. Three great locations to serve you. University Drive here in Star Vegas, Gloucester Street there in Tupelo, Lake Harbor Drive in the Ridge and Flowood area. Go by and check them out. Fall in love with Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right, let's take a little time talking about our opponents. The Kentucky Wildcats. You know, I'm not a big Kentucky guy. I basically think they are the Mississippi State of the East. And I think they've actually had an easier time of things because they haven't had to play Alabama, Auburn, LSU, Texas A&M every single year. It's true. I can only begin to imagine how people would feel about us if we had the benefit of playing, you know, Missouri, Vanderbilt, South Carolina, Tennessee when they were down. Of course, now Tennessee's kind of coming up. Kentucky's going down. It's kind of how life works. This Kentucky team had an absolute joke of a non-conference schedule. I think we all know this. It, it's That's one of the reasons they weren't ranked higher than they were is because they hadn't really played anybody. But, of course, for some reason, Kentucky is always a bit of a media darling. I and mean, people in the last few years have even picked them to win the SEC. I'm like, do you not realize Georgia's sitting right there? Are you kidding me? All right, Kentucky opened up the year with a 44-14 win over Ball State of the MAC. You know those guys. The next week, the Colonels of Eastern Kentucky go to Lexington and actually make a game of this thing. The Wildcats win it 28-17. But in no way was this uh, the game I think people expected. You know, I think people thought Kentucky would go up there and you know, hang half a hundred on them and call it a day. Didn't happen. And uh, I remember when this game was happening in live time, you start thinking, you know, surely at some point the difference in the weight programs will take over here, and ultimately it did. But uh, it wasn't the blowout game that many people anticipated. And uh, I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about an Eastern Kentucky game. But it, it, it was probably a harbinger of things when you look up and say, you know what, this is an issue. And Eastern Kentucky jumped out to a 7 nothing lead, and it was 7-7 at the break. And then that third quarter, Kentucky began to exert themselves a little bit. And really, that's the difference in the ballgame. They, out, they outscored them 14-3. The teams traded a pair of touchdowns in the fourth quarter. But I think it was a sign then that maybe this Kentucky team not quite as good as you'd hoped. And then Joe Moorhead in the fighting zips of Akron make a trip down there. Uh, 35 to 3 was your final down there. Uh, that's you know, Joe and those guys have had a tough go of it too. I, I don't know if you if you realize this. Matt traded some messages with Joe earlier this week, and um, it hadn't been a great run for the Zips, uh, even with Joe. And I was happy for Joe, and and I know a lot of that you know, taking that job was really more about 
you know, family, by being closer to home, um, giving his you know, sons an opportunity to play uh, football near family. You know, Joe could have probably held out for a, you know, for a better job. Did some good things there at the University of Oregon. I don't know how anybody could argue against that. You know, they won a couple of uh, you know, Pac-12 championships out there. And so, but yeah, it's, it has not been, uh, and I don't know how, how committed they are. You know, it's a football there. Are, do you? I don't, I don't know. You know, do, do the Zips really spend a lot of time, effort, resources in the Zip football? I don't know. I, I, I don't know how long you can stay there and not win ball games, but uh, the Zips are two and seven on the year with wins over uh, with Morgan State. And they got Kent State here recently back on uh, a couple days ago on Wednesday. So big win for Joe and those guys, and they'll play Miami of Ohio next week. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you're assured of a losing season. And uh, wish the best for Joe. Man, what a great guy Joe Moorhead is. It just didn't work out for us here. Joe didn't win enough. But Joe gave a tremendous amount of effort. It just wasn't a great fit for us. And, uh, again, I, I wish the best for Joe Moorhead. All right, back to the Kentucky schedule. They, they go to travel to Vanderbilt, and they win that game 45-28. So you look up and you think, hey, the first four games of the year, did anybody in the Southeastern Conference have an easier schedule? I would say no, and I don't even think it's close. So they're 4-0, and but they make a loud win over Florida again. You know, they went years and years and years and could not beat Florida. And now they're beginning to beat Florida regularly. And this is a 33-14 game. It wasn't some fluke, you know, like there's a, you know, a bad snap on a punt late in a game in a tight ball game. Kentucky really dominated Florida in this game. And I don't know if you've paid attention. They had not won a game since then. Now, some of that's got to do with the quality of competition. Now, you played four also-rans the first four weeks of the year, and then a pretty average Florida team in your home environment. But, Jay, you give them credit for taking care of business the way they did. Well, then they get number one Georgia in Athens, and they get absolutely shelled 51-13. And I, 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 I'm going to say this as nicely as I can. To the people that thought Kentucky was going to go in there and beat Georgia, you're idiots. I, I, absolute idiots. If you had seen the body of work from Kentucky this year and said, hey, this is a year, they're going to go between the hedges. Guys, 51-13, to 13, and that's because Kirby called off the dogs literally and figuratively. And everybody thinks, well, you know, the next week they'll be home against Missouri. Missouri's a bit of a fraud. And Missouri said, nope, we're not the ones that are the fraud here. Eli Drinkwitz takes the Tigers in there and wins 38-21. to 21. Again, nothing fluky about that deal. They just went in there and beat Kentucky to death, 38-21. They bounced back last week and give Kentucky a lot of credit. You know, Tennessee has kind of been that team that's uh, always kind of been the measuring stick in many respects. And it's 33-27 game. And Kentucky was in it to the very end. You know, Tennessee got a little bit of separation. Kentucky goes right back and scores and makes it a one-score game. Just couldn't finish the deal. But Tennessee did something I thought was interesting. You know, I keep up with the uh, the media opportunities for our opponents the week of our games. And Kentucky offensive coordinator Lee and Cohen says, you know, they walked up and put eight, nine people in the box. They said, we expected some of that, but not as tight as it was. And so they couldn't run the football, but they threw it extensively. Now, best game of the year. And I think some of those, some of our fans sometimes, like, like hey, well, you know, Devin Leary threw for 372 yards last week. 
they can really throw it around. Well, they haven't been able to throw it around until then. And that was the second best performance in Devin Leary's career. There was a shootout against Wake Forest a couple years ago uh, where he exceeded 400 yards. But that, that really hasn't been the case. So the Kentucky offensive performance last week through the air is a bit of the outlier. They want to run the football. And that's one of the things that they talked about this week immediately. They've got to have more balance. Now, you got former Vanderbilt uh, you know, running back Ray Davis over there. Uh, Ray was held to 42 yards on 16 carries. They only ran the football 24 times. He had 39 pass attempts and a sack. So the play call there, 40, 40 passes to just 24 runs. And some of that, too, was because, you know, what you take what the defense has given you. Devin Leary, of course, uh, played for NC State when they came back here in 2021. State wins that ball game. Devin didn't have a big game. Uh, State did a really good job kind of confusing him. Uh, but if you keep up with the Kentucky media stuff this week, the players have been incredibly respectful of Mississippi State. And it doesn't sound coach-speaky, right? I think a lot of it's because of the success State has had against Kentucky. I wrote that article just yesterday. You know, Kentucky, again, hasn't won in Starkville since 2008. And you think at some point the law of averages will work for them. What hadn't worked for us against Alabama – even though that's a much difficult, uh, more difficult opponent there. But I think this is one of those deals where Kentucky says, you know, we have not played well down there. We've taken some pretty good teams down there. We've taken some pretty mediocre teams, more times than not, and come home with a loss. And so they're going to come down here, and I think in some ways we're kind of in their heads a little bit. This first quarter is incredibly, incredibly important. We need to get off to the big start. I think, again, the, the crowd will be rocking and uh, we're going to look inside the numbers a little bit here now, but I wanted to kind of discuss how Kentucky got to where they are. So for the third straight week, State will face an opponent on a, a multi-game losing streak. We're one and one in those situations, obviously. You take care of Arkansas, and then, you know, you saw what happened last week at Auburn. Uh, this Kentucky team, though, very, very interesting. Hi, Bulldog fans. Our friends from Tacovas want to remind you that uh, it's festival season. It's concert season. It's sundress season. Yes, it is. And you know you need some nice boots to go along with every bit of that. And Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western wear. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and so much more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a very time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comforts. So no break-in period. You know how tough that can be with a brand-new pair of boots. You can put these bad boys on and ride that ride with a smile. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with the same level of style. So stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary beverage or two, shop the new styles, the smell of fresh leather, and our friendly staff are always at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it to a store, visit Tacovas. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges shipped right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Why are so many dogs suffering from health issues? Actress Katherine Heigl, who's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her personal foundation, says they're seeing more issues than ever with dogs' joints, odors, and their health than ever before. 
After doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can all look to improve our dog's health, their food. What she's discovered is that many dog foods are made in a way they can actually create toxins that could possibly be wrecking our dog's health. And that's true for many of the premium brands as well. Fortunately, she's found that just by adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw huge transformations in their health. She's made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step how any of us can do the same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. I've got five dogs. I do. I love them. I spend most of my time with them. In fact, Mojo, my mama blue healer, has helped me write six and a half books now. I want her to be as healthy and happy as possible. So if you feel like you do about your dogs the same way I do, let me encourage you to go to badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard and watch Catherine's video right now. And again, that's badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard. Be sure and check it out and make sure your pet is happier and healthier than ever. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. They don't have much depth on defense, and that's really been a challenge for them. And I think that's one of the reasons it kind of explains, yeah, of course, your non-conference stuff, you booked that well in advance. Uh, probably explains the soft schedule a little bit, and you needed that, but uh, they, they have really struggled at times finishing games on defense. And, and that's been evident, you know, here in recent weeks. But um, let's take a look and kind of see how things are going uh, for the Wildcats on an individual basis. We'll, we'll look at some team numbers first. But uh, all right, so uh, total offense this year, it's, it's incredible. You know, 2,909 yards of offense. They've allowed 2,907. Did you expect to hear that number today? Just two, two yards difference? I didn't. Their opponents have run 534 plays, just 446 for Kentucky. So you're not really doing a good job kind of dictating terms here. Average yards per game, pretty crazy, right? 363 gained and 363 allowed. Kentucky has scored 32 touchdowns and allowed just 22. And, of course, a lot of that's a byproduct of a very, 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 very weak non-conference schedule. Of course, they'll play Louisville at the end of the year, but it doesn't factor into our numbers today. From a passing standpoint, we talked about that 372 yards last week against Tennessee, which is impressive. Don't get me wrong. Including that, the year-to-date total for them is 1,749. So you can do the math yourself there, and you can realize that is very much the outlier. Very much. Um, It's a fun deal. really is. 16 touchdowns on the year. They've allowed 1,983 yards passing and then 13 touchdowns. From a rushing standpoint, and again, it all starts up front. They have a big physical offensive line. While they have had to move some people around at times, that's kind of a staple, especially in the trenches. Kentucky is always big, strong, and physical on the O-line and D-line. We can expect to see some massive human beings down there. Uh, They have run 
uh, for uh, 1,160 yards this year. They've allowed 924. And we're a team that wants to run football. And a lot of it's that front they have against Kentucky. It's going to be, it's going to be a real battle between our offensive line and their defensive line. Average yards per attempt for them, they're averaging five and a half yards a carry. Opponents just three and a half. So we're going to have to make some plays in the passing game to make this game competitive. We're going to have to – we can't just go out there and just – we're just going to run the football. And uh, if we don't run a jet sweep, that's kind of fine with me, to be honest with you. Uh, they've scored 12 touchdowns on the ground, allowed nine. Time of possession maybe hadn't gone the way that you would think a running team would go. Now, some of that, too, is because, uh, you know, Ray has had a couple long runs – you know, I know against Florida, he really was on fire against that ball game, against the Gators in that game. But, um, yeah, opponents are doing a better job kind of controlling the clock against them. Uh, third down conversions are con- converting at a 39.5% and then allowing 43.6. So, yes, you'd say, hey, 40% on third down is great. And then you look over there and say, well, you're giving up even more. State's got to win on third down on both sides of the football. They're one of six on fourth down and five of nine allowed. They have fumbled the football nine times. Three of them have been recovered by the opponents. Kentucky has forced seven fumbles and gotten on four of those. 18 sacks for the Wildcats, which is not a big number, but they've only allowed a dozen. And so you start looking at that. Some of that is the byproduct of play calling. Some of it's the quality of the offensive line. As an offense, they've scored 32 touchdowns, allowed 22 as a defense. They've made just nine field goals and allowed 19. Their red zone attempts are rather interesting. 28, but 18 of those touchdowns. So they've not been a great red zone team. They've been a pretty good red zone team, but red zone defense has, has really been a strength for them. They've had 30 trips into the red zone by opponents and allowed just 16 touchdowns. So you got to finish drives against Kentucky. You have to. And that's been a real challenge for this Mississippi State offense. Um, especially the last two weeks, right? First downs on the year, 151 for Kentucky. They've allowed 163. Uh, many of those first downs allowed have come through the air, 92 of those. They're 8 of 9 on field goal attempts, and they've uh, given up 14 of 19. Of course, uh, you know, all of those are really about, you know, execution. All right, kickoff returns, it's interesting, Right. That's always a big thing for us, and, and I just feel like at any point Tulu's going to break one. You just feel that way. But Kentucky's only allowed seven returns all year. Doing a good job putting the ball in the end zone. Maybe a cooler night. Maybe the ball didn't carry quite as well. You know, I, I, I'm a guy, too, with Tulu as explosive as he is. I, I think we probably take too many touchbacks, to be quite honest with you. If that thing goes a yard or two into the end zone, I'd like to see him bring it out. Just my opinion. I know you'd like, well, they're going to give you 25 yards. Yeah, well, we've got a guy that's an All-American. we got a guy that can break it and take it to the house. Let's make sure we use that to our advantage. I'm not saying take it five and six yards deep. But uh, if it's marginal, I think we should take it. Just my personal opinion. All right, from a scoring standpoint, they're averaging 30.75 yards, excuse me, points per game and allowing 24.75. You look up again, they're 5-3 and three and 2-3 two and three in the Southeastern Conference. Scored 51 points off turnovers and allowed just 12. That's always one of those things you look at. Penalties, they're committing more than their opponents. 500 yards of penalty yards on 58 infractions. They've uh, 52 for their opponents. So they are a team that obviously is uh, – has had some issues, and let's look at some individual numbers here. We'll kind of move ahead. Devin Leary, 
Uh, the only Kentucky quarterback to throw a pass this year. Played in all eight games, 134, 134 completions and 234 attempts. So there's 100, 100 incompletions there. Now, uh, that may change with our secondary because we have made a lot of people look incredibly efficient this year. He has thrown seven interceptions against his 16 touchdowns. And again, uh, 1,749 yards this year. And 372 came last week. So again, you, you kind of back it out and you begin to realize passing has not been a strong suit for them. And they've got some good skill players too. It's not like that they, hey, they're devoid of talent at the wide receiver position. They certainly have some guys. Now, Ray Davis, one of the top running backs in the, in the, in the conference, if not the country, played in all eight games. A former teammate of Bulldog quarterback Mike Wright, 127 attempts with a net of 823, nine touchdowns on the year, averaging right at 103 yards per game. That's job one right there. Uh, Jatan McLean, the reserve there, uh, uh, 26 carries for him, 138. And it's really kind of been the Ray Davis show. The other guys just kind of do it uh, to give him a little bit of a blow. But they don't have anybody else averaging more than 20 yards a game. Uh, on the offense from a rushing standpoint. Now, they do give it to Barry and Brown at times on the little puff pass or a jet sweep. Uh, he's got six carries on the year for, for 70 yards, a long of 26. So, again, you know, Ray Davis is kind of the straw that stirs a drink. And, again, just hearing them talk this week, you can talk – they talk extensively about we've got to have more balance. We've got to be able to run the football. And I think a lot of that, too, is because Devin Leary is a guy that's it's kind of an above-average quarterback. He's not an elite quarterback. I think in many respects, he's a bit of a game manager. And if you're putting the game on his shoulders, I think you're, off, you're asking an awful lot. Uh, Dane Key is the, uh, the top gainer as a receiver this year. Dane Key, 24 grabs for 395 yards, which leads a team, three touchdowns. Uh, Tavian Robinson, that guy's a freak. 26 catches, 371 yards, three touchdowns. Barry M. Brown, a guy that uh, a lot of people really, really were excited about when Kentucky got him. He leads the team with 28 catches. Uh, average depth of reception for him is 11.9. A couple touchdowns on the year. Maybe hadn't had the year many people expected. Uh, but a very, very talented player. You don't you get in man coverage with him, it's a real challenge. Jordan Dingle, very impressive tight end, has 11 catches, 198 yards on the year. No touchdowns, but he is a guy that uh, – is in every down tight end. You have some guys that are attached tight ends that are more of a blocker, and other guys that are uh, flex tight ends and more of a pass-receiving type tight end. Uh, Dingle's a guy that can do a little bit of both. There are some people out there that think he's a guy that will be a pro player. Big physical guy, for sure. And, that, again, that's the hallmark of the Kentucky program. Big, very big and physical. All right, defensively, uh, De'Eric Jackson leads the team with 55 tackles on the year. He has an interception, a couple pass breakups, and a couple of hurries. Um, played in all eight games this year. Maxwell Hairston, second on the team with 46 tackles. Also has um, one-and-a-half one TFLs, but has five interceptions on the year, which is a pretty gaudy number. Also has three uh, pass breakups. When you begin to think about the fact that your team only has seven interceptions and five of them come from one player, we probably are wise to avoid him. Uh, Trevin Wallace has played in seven games. He did miss one. 42 tackles for him uh, on pace with the leaders and uh, one interception for him. Uh, so all three of those guys, your top three tacklers, also account for all seven of your interceptions on the year. Uh, Andrew Phillips, 
Uh, eight games played this year, 35 tackles. J.J. Weaver is a guy that's been, it's like he's been there forever. Come here like DeAndre Square. It's like DeAndre Square was there forever. Same thing with J.J. Weaver. Uh, J.J.'s one of the leaders on this team. 26 tackles, four and a half TFLs, uh, three sacks, which is uh, second on the team behind Deion Walker, who has four and a half. Walker also has five quarterback hurries. And, uh, you know, we're going to have to block these guys. And there's some guys they, – they got some guys that can play. It's, it's understand we're not going to get up there and shove people around the line of scrimmage. I just don't think we're built that way. We need to be, but we're not. But, uh, again, an opportunistic defense at times, but a group that really lacks depth. Wilson Berry has done all the punting for Kentucky this year, 29 punts on the year with an average of 40, a couple touchbacks, um, you know, 11 fair catches, a seven inside the 20, and six kicks of 50-plus yards. That'll get it done right there. And special teams should matter in this game. Alex Reiner's attempted every field goal attempt, eight of nine on the year. We discussed that earlier, 151 uh that, that, those numbers are wrong there. Uh, your kickoffs, chance poor, 47. Averaging 62.4 yards a kick and 34 of them touchbacks. Only 13, 13 kickoffs have not made the end zone. Don't know how much of an opportunity we're going to have to put returns together in this ballgame. You know, we'll see how things progress. Uh, on the return side for them, Barry and Brown has uh, three punt returns for 51 yards, averaging 17 yards a punt return. Wow. Tavian Robinson, three for 20. Uh, so I, I would expect to see uh, Barry and Brown back there, number seven. Uh, on the kickoff standpoint, Barry and Brown also uh, the featured return guy with eight returns on the year. They've had 15 as a team. He has eight. Tavian Robinson has four. So uh, their skill guys – much like yours, like Tula Griffin and uh, Xavier Thomas, kind of splitting duties between their offensive work and their special teams work. All of that is very interesting. And you start working through these numbers and you begin to realize, you know, they, this is a Kentucky team that, you know, are they good enough to come to Starkville and win? They absolutely are. Are they a team Mississippi State can defeat? Well, they absolutely are. I think a lot of it's got more to do with how Mississippi State executes than it does Kentucky. This is a Kentucky team that I think if this thing gets into the fourth quarter that you're going to have some issues. I don't think they have the depth to win a boxing match that goes the full distance. I think they're a team that wants to be able to get ahead, ride that big offensive line, and let Ray just kind of carry the mail and just kind of methodically move the chains and shorten the game on you. State's going to have to hit some explosive plays in this ballgame. you got to get them out of their offense a little bit. You've got to put this game on the shoulders of Devin Leary and make him beat you. You have to. Now, the thing that I think about, you know, the thing that keeps me up at night, I wake up sometimes screaming in a cold sweat, you know, is the fact that we simply can't cover. And Kentucky hasn't really had that chunk play offense this year. There are times, they'll, especially in a running game, you know, Ray can get loose every now and again. Uh, but they're not a team that really dials up a ton of shots. They work the intermediate passing game. They work those, uh, you know, those, they work those posts across the face of the safety and, uh, you know, get 10, 15 yards here and then go back to running the football. They want to keep you honest and keep those safeties out of the box. 
But they're not a play. They're not a team that dials up a lot of chunk plays. That they don't just go vert all the time. Now they may this week, and they may see an opportunity when they get man coverage and get a matchup they like on Barry and Brown or Tavian Robinson, and just take a shot and let their guy go make a play. But I think this is going to be a very nip and tuck ball game. All that said, I'm not picking us to win. I would love to. I want us to win the ball game. But I got Kentucky beating us in a close one. And, uh, and I hate it because we need this win. When you start begin thinking about the complexity of the schedule down the stretch here, you know, State's got to get at least two, right? At least two. This may be your best option outside of Southern Miss. You got to go to College Station. Yes, we've had some success there, but, you know, can you really expect that to go on the road and win a game against Texas A&M in what should probably be a raucous environment? And then you have the Egg Bowl here. And let's just call it for what it is. Ole Miss is playing a lot better than we are. Now, this time last year they were as well. But we're playing well beneath the standard we did a year ago. We were a better team last year than we are right now, at least offensively. And so Ole Miss got a lot to play for. You know, as well as I do, they're going to come in here uh, and try to embarrass us, you know. And so you start counting it. Now, I'm not ready to concede the game, but I, I, I'm not blind either. And so I think this your best opportunity to win another SEC game is this Saturday. And so we've got to find a way to get it done. But I'm not expecting it. I'm hoping for it. I won't be surprised if we get it. But I am picking Kentucky to win the ballgame. All right, time for today's top ten list. As always, brought to you by CloseWithBlair.com. That's C-L-O-S-E with Blair, B-L-A-I-R. Blair Chandler is a mortgage professional and a guy that I've known a long time. He's a guy you can trust, for sure. Listen, your mortgage is serious business, right? I mean, there's a lot of people out there you can say, hey, well, you know, I'm going to slide by their boutique or go by their restaurant, you know, and it's a single-serving transaction, right? But this mortgage thing is much, much different, right? You're talking about your home. You're entrusting your home to somebody that can put you in a situation where you get a good deal, or maybe you don't. Or more, maybe you're just a person that wants to go buy a home for the first time. I would recommend all first-time home buyers to give Blair Chandler a try first. Give Blair a text or call today at 601-500-2344. Again, 601-500-2344. Blair's got 22 years of experience in the industry. He can get you to the closing table when so many others can't. He's a guy that knows how to get things done. Again, it's closewithblair.com. And make sure you mention to him you heard about him on the show. This guy is a... uh, a Bulldog through and through. Got season tickets in multiple sports. It's a place here as well. Uh, so we like to keep it in the family as best we can. Closedblair.com. All right, so we're doing the Rock of Kentucky today. I know we've done music of Kentucky in the past, and, uh, we, you know, we, we have these coaches list. I know uh, Mark Stoops' favorite artist is Toby Keith. We've done a Toby Keith list not too terribly long ago. And so I just decided to call an audible. So we're going to do the Rock of Kentucky. And uh, one of the things that I love about doing these lists that are kind of specific to states or regions or whatever is I discover new music. Or I'll remember some things that I've forgotten. I'm like, oh, I remember that band. Oh, that was great. They had this big single, you know. Uh, and so the thing that impresses me is, and, and you never hear about it, but the alternative rock scene in Louisville, Kentucky, especially in the 90s, was thriving. 
And when you listen to some of those tunes, it's true alternative rock. It's not like what we have today. You know, like, it's so funny. You know, alternative rock used to be, well, it's what they don't play on mainstream or terrestrial radio, or they don't play on MTV, because MTV, you know, used to play music. It wasn't always uh, 24 hours of ridiculousness and, and hair care commercials with the New Jersey Shore episode uh, thrown in. MTV was music television. But uh, it's changed a lot. But yeah, so I listen to some of these bands. I'm like, you know, hey, this band should have been bigger. And maybe it's because of the fact they didn't get on MTV. But uh, there's some indie rock up there from that neck of the woods. Pretty good. Pretty good. Not really my thing, but I can respect it. And that's where we're going to start at number 10. It's a band called Slint. Now, these guys came out in the early 90s. Debut album dropped in 91. I'd never heard of them. I'll be honest with you. I hadn't. And I began to work through some of their songs. Now, they have these long intros, you know, kind of like you jam band people like, you know, you weirdos. Uh, I'm just, that's for BJ and Blair. Uh, but all that said, Slant is one of these bands, you know, it takes a few measures for the song to get going. And I dig it, man. I, I do. I think the intros for them, the way they structure the songs, makes a lot of sense. And I enjoy the instrumentation that kind of leads me into the vocal. It's cool, man. So we're going to go with a track called Washer from Slint. That's your number 10 song. I think you're going to dig it, especially if you're, like, if you're from the old college rock days. Like, remember it was back in the day? We're all riding them down Hardy Street or riding them down uh, 12. You listen to college radio. This is a band that was probably on some of those playlists, even though they didn't get, didn't get the notoriety maybe they deserve. But uh, I like them. Number nine, a band that uh, has a huge following. They've actually played on Saturday Night Live, and they've been on TV. It's a band called My Morning Jacket. They're different. And what's interesting in my research of this band, they kind of alienated their fans a little bit with their third album. It's like everybody kind of liked all the alternative rock stuff and the indie vibe to it, and then they got a little more commercial, and people were like, oh, wait a minute, no, no, no. Yeah, well, that album actually uh, earned a nomination for a Grammy. So maybe you don't know. But like what you want to like. The, my favorite track that I listen to from this band, My Morning Jacket, is uh, One Big Holiday. I like it. I like the tempo. I like the, I like the percussion on this one. Uh, it's a cool track. And again, it's your number nine song. Number eight, and now, if we were just ranking musical artists from the state of Kentucky, this band would be much, much higher. But we're doing the rock of Kentucky, and they're really more on the southern rock, really more countryside than even the southern rock side. But you couldn't do a list of musicians from Kentucky, I think, without mentioning the Kentucky had hunters. Yeah, we've all been down to Dumas Walkers, right? But we're going to go with the uh, walk softly on this heart of mine is your number eight track the kentucky headhunters actually um you know, claim some uh, legacy and lineage to our number one artist a little bit of a teaser there number seven our friends in storage 24 fred harley the homie and matt and those guys went out to hollywood recently and played a show at the whiskey a go-go how cool is that the headliner of that show is a band from louisville kentucky it's a band called Flaw. This is a band that was really kind of new metalish for a while. They took a hiatus. They came back. They got a little heavier. Uh, and they're out touring again. And uh, another band that's had some issues with alcoholism and addiction, but uh, I understand everything's going better now. 
But number seven is Flaws Get Up Again. They've actually re-released this song and sped it up, and it didn't work for me. I like the original version. But Get Up Again dates back to 2001. This band's been around a long time. Again, that's Flaw, Get Up Again. Number six, a band that's had a sound kind of eerily reminiscent of Flaw. And maybe it's because of that's what was happening at the time in Louisville, Kentucky. Maybe they had like a, a refined sound that was kind of unique to the region. It's a band called Primer 55. And I love this track. Uh, I give Dana credit for discovering this one years ago. But it's a track called Loose. Now, let me give you the parental advisory warning on this one. If you're listening to this list with your kids in the car, you might want to skip it and come back to it a little bit later. Now, you got to play it loud, but you probably don't want to have innocent ears in the car while you're listening to it. I'm just, again, my disclaimer. But Primer 55, I love the song, man. I really do. Number five, you probably have heard this one. If you've been to a baseball game at Mississippi State in the last couple of years, a good chance you've heard the song. It was the walkout song for one Parker Sinet for a while. It's a band, again, from Louisville, Kentucky called Cage the Elephant. And it's Ain't No Rest for the Wicked. Great, great song. It's a rock song, but it's got a little bit of a country vibe to it. It even has like some mixing in it. It's a, it's a cool track. Probably the song from Cage the Elephant. They've had some hits, but that's probably uh, the one that most people identify with. All right, number four. This band ultimately left the rock. And, and they were really more pop rock in the late 70s, early 80s. And then they decided to just be country. And they're also from Kentucky. And uh, one of the best-selling acts from the state of Kentucky of all time. It's a band called Exile. We're going to go back to, again, the signature song for them. It's uh, Kiss You All Over. And I remember being a kid, so it made me a little bit uncomfortable. I was just a kid. Uh, but, yeah, that's what they're known for. Kiss You All Over, the band Exile. And they're, they're out still playing. How cool is that? I'm sure it's not all original members, but uh, still playing some shows. All right, now the top three... I love all three of these bands. Now, one of these bands, we talked about them recently on the show, birthed another band. They're both in our top three. So Days of the New was founded in Indiana, but they got their big break in all of all places, Louisville, Kentucky. They moved to Kentucky, and that's when things began to kind of come together for them. Uh, you know, the other day we did Shelf in the Room as we did the Rock of 98. We're going to go back to the classic Touch, Peel, and Stand which is a karaoke staple for your good friend and host. Love that song. And again, I like the whole Alice in Chains vibe thing to it. And uh, again, it's a lot of acoustic stuff. You can get around with your buddies and get your guitars out and sit around a fire and, and you can pull this stuff off. Most of everything on Days of the New is kind of like that. It's kind of tuned down, kind of the unplugged deal. And, of course, uh, you know, everything happened with Travis Meeks, and then Hugo and the guys got together and put together the band Tantric. I love Tantric, even though Hugo is the last of the original members. It is his band. It is his show. It's his direction. Uh, a different voice, a little deeper, a little raspier than maybe some people are used to. I think it works. I think it really sets Tantric apart. I know my buddy uh, Blake Dees will be happy to know that Tantric is number two today. And we're going to go with Down and Out is our Tantric song. We've done a Tantric Top 10 before. This is a band that I think most people could get behind. I mean, I really do. It's not too heavy, but it's also not pop radio rock, right? It's, it's you know, 
It's kind of an Octane band if you're a Sirius XM subscriber. Very much an Octane band. I love these guys. I think you will too. I think when you listen to Down and Out, I love the, uh, the little violin part in there. I do. But number one, it's uh, the descendants of the Kentucky Hen Hunters. Biologically, you know, Chris, Ben, those guys, their dads were in Kentucky Hen Hunters. And so Blackstone Cherry, to me, my favorite band from Kentucky. And uh, I don't have the newest album. I have all the rest of them. And I have the physical copies, not just downloaded. I have them. And again, I'm old school. I like When I really like a band, I want to have that physical copy. Because when the world ends and uh, you know, Apple Music goes away, I'll still be able to rock. Yeah, you won't be. One day, this whole iTunes thing is going to... You know what's going to happen. You know what's going to happen. They'll fix it. There'll be something else that comes along. But there are some bands out there that, I, because I'm a collector, I guess I got about 600 CDs or so, something like that. But um, it takes a lot for me to buy a physical copy. But the fact that I have just about every Blackstone Cherry album, a physical copy, should say a lot about my thoughts on this band. Because I can just pull it up on Apple Music and listen to it whenever I want to. But I, I just like having it myself. But we're going to go with that. one of my favorites from them off of... Um, I guess it's off uh, Between the Devil and the, and the Deep Blue Sea. It's a white trash millionaire. Yeah, going to be a white trash millionaire. I ain't got much and I don't care. Love that song and uh, love how in your face it is. I love the attitude that Chris Robertson sings with. But that's uh, your top 10, The Rock of Kentucky today. Hope you enjoyed the list and uh, be hospitable to our visitors from Lexington as they make the trip down to Starkville. Uh, one of the things I always thought was pretty cool is you, you, you see everybody, hey, welcome to Starkville, you know. And then when the game starts, of course, you know, we're going to you know sit there and curse our team. But, um, you know, we can be friendly before and after games. There's no point for people. We don't want people to leave, you know, Starkville and have a negative experience, right? We want people to come back, even though I do believe that opposing fans should be seen and not heard. So you need to ring your cowbell as loudly as you can, especially when they begin to cheer. We don't want to hear them. Uh, but we will celebrate their music today on our top ten list. And thanks, as always, to CloseWithBlair.com. All right, next segment of the show brought to you by Campus Bookmart, a Starkvillian institution. I love Campus Bookmart. And reminder, if you would like to meet Coach Jackie Sherrill, and why wouldn't you, he will be available for a meet and greet tomorrow at Campus Bookmart here in Starkville from 1 to 3. You can go by and shake his hand, thank him for all he's done for Mississippi State, get pictures, get autographs, might even get a hug. You never know. But Coach Cheryl will be there. That's a great opportunity for you to go meet somebody that is considered royalty among the Mississippi State fan base. Of course, we're recognizing the 98 SEC West champion team this weekend. Coach Cheryl in town for the festivities. While you're there, pick up some interlocking MSU merch. Everything you could possibly want there. Shirts, hoodies, coffee cups, all kind of stuff. Uh, if you can't make it to town, and that would be a shame, uh, visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. That's BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. In fact, the only place you're going to be able to meet Coach Cheryl is going to be at Campus Bookmart this weekend, unless you just happen to run into him, but you have an appointment at Campus Bookmark. And again, promo code BSR saves you shipping on all orders over 75 bucks. Any order less than 75 bones, absolutely incomplete. All right, let's take a look at the SEC schedule. 
Busier weekend uh, than normal, as you guys are well aware, as uh, we have uh, several games this weekend, as uh, we've got some people playing out of conference this weekend. So we're going to get four options for breakfast, brunch, football. So your tailgate, your home, your man cave, your woman cave, whatever you have, your fan cave. You're going to have a chance to watch some daytime football. And you got four options. So four games, 11 a.m., then one at 3.30, and then four at 7.30, and uh, these are all Eastern. Uh, and then 6.45, of course. So Texas A&M and Ole Miss, this is a tasty game to be played early. I know a lot of their fans are upset about it and were thinking, hey, we'd have a bigger crowd at night. And it's probably a disservice to these two teams to play this game at 11 a.m. That's going to be your ESPN broadcast. I think A&M is really going to make this a game. And I won't be surprised if A&M wins. We'll certainly be cheering for A&M, as you guys know, like many of you. My two favorite teams are Mississippi State and whoever is playing Ole Miss. I do think this Aggie defense is legit. So I think it's going to be an interesting game. I just think Ole Miss at home with their offensive firepower, I think Ole Miss, as they typically do, will script out a really good opening drive and get an early lead and have A&M chasing the game. Now, A&M offensively, I think, has the players to really compete in this game. A&M, of course, is uh, a team that I picked third in the West this year. I think they could get there, but in order to do so, they're going to have to win this week. But I do like the Rebels to win this game in a close one. Again, I'll be cheering for A&M. I expect Ole Miss to win. UConn at Tennessee. You know, this is one of those games, too, you look at and say, you know, who thought this was a good idea? Well, UConn says, you know what, we could use the check. But, yeah, Tennessee, the, the spread on this one's huge, like 35 and a half. I think Tennessee gets this one. I think they also cover. I just don't think UConn's going to be a team that can really put up much resistance. I don't know if you've kept up with uh, Husky football this year. Maybe you have, but they're 1-7. So this should be an absolute blowout for Tennessee. I mean, UConn just has not been competitive in most games. Um, you know, their one win came over Rice on the road, 38-31. And I said they haven't been competitive. They just haven't scored a lot. But uh, they have been able to kind of hold people down. They lose to Georgia State 35-14. That's the highest point total that the UConn defense has given up this year. And gave up 34 to Utah State. But, uh, but by and large, they just have not been able to score. And I, I certainly don't expect them to score against Tennessee. Arkansas at Florida. Man, what a huge game for both teams. You know, again, we've kind of broken this thing down. You know, Arkansas, we feel like, should be able to beat FIU. They're going to have to pick up an SEC win somewhere. And they're going to have another opportunity next week. But uh, this new-look Razorback offense, you know, without Dan Enos, you know, you're going to have some growing pains. Yes, you've had two weeks to prepare to add some new wrinkles. So I won't be surprised to see Arkansas jump out to an early lead. But Florida's been so good at home this year. The next week, Arkansas will begin a three-game homestand to close out the regular season. You have Auburn coming in. That's the game you look at and say, you know what, if you're Arkansas, you need to win. Might be your best opportunity to win another SEC game. FIU the next week, then you close out with Missouri, who has proven to be one of the best stories in the Southeastern Conference this year. So 
I got Florida winning this week. You know, and Florida is another team, too, that even though they're 5-3, and three, this may be their best chance to get a win and get bowl eligible. Many people projected them to be a 5-7 and seven team. If you lose this week, I think that's exactly what you're going to get. Next week, Florida is at LSU, then at Missouri, and then at home against Florida State. Would you pick the Gators in any of those games right now? I wouldn't. I absolutely wouldn't. So Florida will likely come out with their heads on fire, kind of understanding, hey, this gets us bowl eligible. We may end up uh, you know, in a, in a lower-level bowl game, but we've got to find a way to win this one. So I expect Florida to come out and play with some real intensity. This Arkansas-Florida game could be another one of those games, too, that kind of flies under the radar that's very entertaining. Jacksonville State to South Carolina. You know, Shane Beamer and those guys, we talked last year about them being a little bit ahead of schedule. They had two good years back-to-back. Uh, this year, not so much. As you guys know, they're 2-6 and six with a win over our Bulldogs that still haunts us. Think about that for a second. If you turned that into a victory, you know, while you, know, you still wouldn't be overjoyed about the quality of play, you'd feel a whole lot better about, you know, the context of your season if you'd able to go win that ball game. But, but with a two-and-six record with four games to play, you start working through this and you begin to realize it's going to be tough to win out. It's going to be nearly impossible to win out. You win this week, you, you, you beat Vandy, now all of a sudden you've got a two-game winning streak and you're four-and-six, and all four of their remaining games are at Williams-Brice Stadium. So that's helpful. But would you pick them against Kentucky or Clemson right now? And again, they got to win them all. Absolutely got to win out all four games. I just don't think they have the ability to do that. And so I think South Carolina will soon be eliminated from bowl contention, but they'll get a couple of weeks to kind of keep the dream alive. Missouri at Georgia. This is your 230 game. This is your CBS game. Uh, I suspect this will be on every tailgate. I think Missouri is a really good team, much better than we expected. I, I I will be the first to confess that uh, Missouri has really surprised me this year at seven and one. And the one loss that you look at on the schedule, I mean, it's like you work through it. It's LSU, and Missouri should have won the game. How crazy is that? You know, LSU gets a pick six late to make that score look a little more gaudy than it should have been. But you know, Missouri really took it to LSU, put up thirty nine points, and then lost. Uh, but defensively, the Tigers have been a little bit of a uh, adventure. They will play Georgia this week in Athens. I like Georgia to win a very competitive game. Of course, Missouri's already bowl eligible. They're just kind of jockeying for postseason positioning. Right? I mean, it is what it is. But when you begin to think about this Missouri team and what they've accomplished so far, it's, it's pretty remarkable. They'll lose this week, and then, of course, they get Tennessee at home the next week, then Florida, and they travel to Arkansas. And you got to think at this point, hey, there's a reasonable chance that Missouri should be 9-3 when it's all said and done. How about that? I mean, anybody expected that. I, I think I would pick them today over Arkansas, even though it's senior day, and certainly over Florida. And that Tennessee-Missouri game is a bit of a, a toss-up. I mean, theoretically, Missouri could be a 10-win team this year. I just don't think one happens this week. Uh, Auburn's at Vanderbilt. I didn't like a lot about the Auburn offense last week. You said, Steve, well, they, they won. Yes, they did. That doesn't mean I can't have an opinion. 
I think the Auburn offense is still very pedestrian. I think we made them look better than they, they, they are. But uh, 27 points, right? I mean, this is a team that just has really struggled to put up points this year. They shouldn't have any issues this weekend. I think Auburn wins a game against Vanderbilt. It's probably a snooze fest in many respects. And, again, I think Vanderbilt is done, done winning football games this year. I don't think that Clark Lee is in any trouble by any stretch of the imagination because uh, I don't think they really care um, about football there. I think they like to be good at football, but um, it's not really – you know, it's not the James Franklin days. But Auburn wins this game, and, again, I think it's a bit of a struggle for a while, but I think Auburn, you know, wins by a couple scores. Kentucky and Mississippi State have shared my feelings about that. And then there's a big game between LSU and Alabama. Now, we'll have to DVR it because we're going to be at Davis Wade Stadium. I think this is going to be another one of those classic LSU-Alabama games. And this LSU offense has been absolutely ridiculous. And I read a, a stat yesterday. They're the only team in college football that has hit the over every game this year. That's interesting, right? Uh, six and two and four and one. But you begin to think about it. If LSU loses this week, it's going to be almost impossible to get back to Atlanta. You know, last year they just kind of flew under the radar. And just kind of quietly kept winning games and winning games. You look up at the end, they beat Alabama. They control their own destiny. Well, that would be the case this year. I just think they're going to find a sled much more difficult. Again, this Alabama offense at times has been very pedestrian, kind of getting by on athleticism. And this is not the same LSU defense that we've grown to expect. You know, over the years, they've fashioned themselves as DBU. Uh, and this Alabama wide receiver group is maybe not as elite as they have been either. So that is probably, you know, a mox next type deal. But I do think LSU is going to need to run the football with more than just Jake Daniels. And I don't think you want to put him out there and put him in harm's way because this Alabama defense is legit. They are. LSU, of course, at Alabama. Then next week they host Florida. Then Georgia State. And then they host A&M. So after this, last road trip of the year for the Tigers – they're at the friendly confines of Tiger Stadium, Death Valley, the final three weeks. And you'd like them to win all three of those games. They win this week. Man, really shakes some things up. Also keeps on missing contention, right? Uh, but it'll be interesting to see how things uh, break down. We really need ADM to win that ballgame against Ole Miss just so we can get enjoy the rest of the college football season, right? Uh, but, yeah, this Alabama team – there's no reason to think that uh, if they can navigate through this challenge with the LSU, that they, that they shouldn't win out. They certainly should. You get LSU, next week you're at Kentucky. You know, Kentucky, I think, will, will play a decent ball game. They just don't have the athletes to match up. The next week it's Tennessee-Chattanooga. That's a blowout. And then they travel to Auburn for the Egg Bowl. Ain't thinking happen in a rivalry game, but based on what you've seen from Auburn, I think you feel like Alabama's got that one. So if Alabama – who is favored against LSU, can find a way to win that when there's no reason to think that they won't win out and go to Atlanta and um, you know, have an 11-win year. It's huge, huge, huge ballgame. So we're going to take Alabama in a close one. So looking back, your winners this week, in my opinion, Ole Miss, Tennessee, Florida, South Carolina, Georgia, Auburn, Kentucky, and Alabama. And, of course, I'd love to see – A&M win and see Mississippi State win. Uh, that's a win-win weekend for us, right, in every aspect. Uh, but Mississippi State desperately needs to win this football game. I just don't have a great feeling about it. And uh, this 
sharing for what I know and what I feel. Now, one of the things that I think is interesting to note uh, is quarterback play. Now, I've been told again, Will practiced a lot more this week. You know, last week he practiced in some of a limited basis. He was still somewhat limited this week, but he did practice more. And I've had some people say, well, you know, he's not back to us other miss. I don't know that I'm ready to believe that. And listen, if you know anything about Will Rogers, and many of you do, Will Rogers desperately wants to play. It is absolutely ripping him apart to not be out there with his team. He's a leader. He's a guy that loves his team and loves his university. He loves his fans, even the ones that are difficult, right? Because that's the kind of person Will is. But I can tell you that Will Rogers is working hard to get back to help salvage something of this season that has been a disappointment so far. And so I won't be totally surprised if he's back before some other people have suggested. Now, last week I was told the soonest we could expect him back was Kentucky, and a lot of it's just going to depend on how you know, he responds to treatment. Do I expect him to play this weekend? I don't. I do expect him to dress. You know, he hadn't dressed the last two weeks. So we'll see. But I, I think he'll be dressed, um, and I know that he'll want to play, especially if things start going south a little bit. I just don't know if you push him back out there before he's ready. And, again, I don't know when he's going to be ready, but I know that uh, he is working hard to get ready. A lot of people have asked about Chris Parson. I've been told the last two weeks that Chris has been available as your emergency quarterback as Jake Weir has been QB2. Uh, we hadn't put Jake on the field yet, but uh, I understand that Jake has taken – the QB2 snaps. Uh, Parson, not doing as much in practice, but uh, they say, again, he is available. We have dressed him. We have uh, taken him to both Arkansas and Auburn. And I understand he's still available, but, again, as the emergency quarterback. And, uh, again, that tells me he's not 100%. But, uh, you know, what's so interesting is, like, you know, there was all this talk about him being out for the year, and then everybody close to the situation said, no, it's not that bad. But, yeah, we haven't played him. Now, that's not to say that we would have beaten Auburn with him. Uh, but I, I'd like to see the kid on the field. And there's a lot of people really high on Chris. I am one of them. You know, he's not the biggest kid. But I think in this offense, when you need the mobile quarterback with a big arm, he has a bigger arm than Mike Wright. And he is more mobile than Will Rogers. Again, he's not the biggest guy. But he is the guy that I think fits what we want to do offensively. So if and when he sees the field this year, it could be an interesting thing. And, and I don't think he's a guy that's going to, you know, People would say, well, I want to see Parsons start the last four ball games." Well, I think in many respects, by doing so, you're basically just kind of throwing caution to the wind and saying, uh, we're just going to write off the rest of the year. I just don't think we can afford to do that. But we'll see how things develop. Uh, but, again, don't be shocked if you see Will Rogers in uniform tomorrow. Again, I don't, I don't expect him to play, but don't be shocked if he's not dressed. All right, final segment of the show brought to you by the Stark Vegas Clubhouse. If you're looking for somewhere super cool to stay, where you can have basically your entire family under one roof, look no further than the Stark Vegas Clubhouse. You can just Google it. And if you book through the Evolve website, which we highly recommend, we can save you a little money. Yeah, you can go through Airbnb or you can go through one of the other sites, but our promo code doesn't work there. You go through the Evolve website, use promo code BSR10, that saves you 10%. That's enough incentive right there. I think, hey... Let's get this thing done. The cool thing about it is, is it, listen, you can bring all the kids, whether you've got adult kids, and you know how it is, right? Uh, what, you know, People want privacy when you become adults, right? And so you can get four or five hotel rooms. It costs you a fortune. 
especially with the two-night minimum. Or you could rent the Stark Vegas Clubhouse and save a ton of money and have everybody together for meals, for recreation, to sit around that great fire pit, uh, sit around and watch ball games before you head over to Davis Wade Stadium. Or maybe perhaps that you're bringing a crew in. Maybe you're working at Mississippi State for several days and you want to have everybody under one roof so you can meet together and you can work together. Uh, the Star Vegas Clubhouse midweek is available too. It, it is always available to you, the Boneyard listener, provided it's not booked. It's not just one of these weekend deals where people leave town and kind of lease their house out. This is the former clubhouse at the, uh, at the, at the golf course out there. Uh, very easy to find, just uh, you know, just a few minutes from the Mississippi State campus. I think it'd be great. I know the older that I get, the bigger my family is. I love when we can all be under one roof together. Well, you can have that one roof experience at the Starkville Clubhouse. Again, so many great bedrooms, and again, you can stock the fridge, stock the uh, the freezer, have your adult beverages on hand instead of paying seven, eight, nine, ten bucks a shot wherever you go. And just have a great time with everybody together. I think that is a wonderful idea, is having everybody together. And then mom and, and all the moms can get together, cook for you, dad, get the grill going, whatever. Whatever you'd like. Think about the Starkville Clubhouse the next time that you're bringing a group to Starkville, Mississippi. And, again, use the Evolve website and promo code BSR10 to save 10% off your book. All right, uh, let's look ahead here. You know, Monday, the uh, Mississippi State women's basketball team is in action. I know for many of you, it's kind of snuck up on you. But uh, Sam Purcell met with the media earlier this week. We, we've got high expectations for this team. And I think as we should. I think there's a lot more talent on the team. Jessica Carter is back. Obviously, the Mississippi State uh, you know, has some talent, probably the most talent that we've had in the last couple of years. Bulldogs are going to play Alcorn State in the season opener Monday night from Humphrey Coliseum. Uh, the Braves last year, the Lady Braves, 12-17, and 8-10 in their conference uh, played some pretty severe competition last year, too. I mean, it's like I, I, I don't know, understand, uh, you know, kind of the direction of the program there. But uh, the reality of it is, is, you know, they played some names you know. You know, they went to Illinois and got beat up there. I mean, for sure. They went and played the Lady Texters in Ruston, Louisiana. Very competitive game there, 70-59. to 59. Uh, Went and played in Boulder, Colorado. Went to Louisiana Monroe and nearly pulled off the upset there, if, if there is such a thing. Uh, but when they get into their conference, you know, the, things don't go as well as you'd hope. And you'd like to think playing that uh, more robust non-conference schedule would prepare you for league play. But, uh, you know, things didn't go quite as way as they, as they hoped. But um, they'll be your competition uh, on Saturday. Oh, excuse me, on Monday. And so if you're going to be in town, if you're thinking about staying over, maybe you have a place here, you live in the Golden Triangle, and you're looking for something to do, then uh, I would encourage you uh, to come out to Humphrey Coliseum on Monday night as we tip off the 2023-2024 women's uh, season. Uh, you know, looking through this roster here, some names that you may know too. Uh, you know, we've got some connections to Cahoma Community College, and uh, they've got Ashanti Bacchus and Nakia Cheatham Products of Cahoma Community College are going to be playing for the Braves. Wish those ladies the best this year as um, they get their season underway. Of course, not at our expense, but uh, like to see the in-state schools uh, do well. Also, uh, uh, Jenny Anderson is also from Cahoma Community College. It's like a, a bit of a pipeline there from Clarksdale to Lorman. But, uh, yeah, excited about uh, 
our in-state programs with one exception, as you guys are well aware. Uh, but, yeah, turn out and be a part of that. And of course, the, the men will get underway in the uh, Barstool Sports Classic. And, again, let me remind you, and I guess maybe let me speak to the moms here, because Dad won't think about it. We'll be so excited to watch, you know, the men's basketball game. That's a week. That's November the eighth. That's Wednesday, and everybody's thinking, oh, "I want to stream. I want to watch it." So I understand. I have no objection to how anybody lives their life, but if you're going to watch the game with your kids, you probably don't want to watch uh, or listen to the Barstool Sports broadcast. And again, that's nothing against those guys. Brandon Walker is a dear friend. I love Brandon to death, but Barstool TV is a little irreverent, so you need to be prepared for that. We had a lot of complaints last year. A lot of our people were like, oh, I wanted to watch the game. I didn't understand there was going to be all this language or whatever. And so I just caution you on that. Get the broadcast and then sync it up uh, with the Mississippi State audio. That's what I would encourage. And, again, I appreciate Barstool Sports for uh, having Mississippi State in this deal. We'll take on Arizona State. That's Wednesday. We'll preview that. Uh, as we get deeper into the week. Also of note, too, when talking about some baseball stuff, uh, ran into Chris Simonis last night. Uh, you guys are well aware of this by now because the young man has announced it, McCry Grant, uh, freshman pitcher that we were really excited about. We were worried about having to deal with the draft with him. He comes in and uh, just throws, I think, three stints. I think he had three one-inning stints, didn't finish the third one, called the trainer out, left. We have feared the worst. We have expected the worst, and now it's officially official. Makai Grant will miss uh, the 2024 college baseball season as he begins to come back. And this is a kid that hit as high as 98 on the gun. We really expected him to help us. Now, is that going to wreck our season? No. Would we have liked to have him? Absolutely, yes. Uh, but, yeah, it's unfortunate. So, I uh, ran into Chris last night, and um, you know, Chris out you know, doing the deal. You know, Chris is always out you know, recruiting and trying to get things done. Uh, but, you know, talking to some people in Major League Baseball circles that have had the opportunity to see State play this fall, uh, there is some renewed optimism. I told you guys my optimism level is just locked on optimistic right now. I went from cautiously optimistic to optimistic. I'm still there. I'm ready to see what this team looks like once we get back for the spring semester and we begin to kind of push towards uh, the season that will open February 16th. And uh, Mike Nemeth writing a series of articles is kind of his observations. Mike attended every fall scrimmage other than the, the uh, games at Louisiana Tech. Nobody saw more fall baseball uh, than Mike Nemeth, and so, uh, certainly in the media. We probably had some, some big-time fans that did. But uh, my point being is that I think Mike has some insight uh, that maybe other people don't because there's going to be a lot of people, trust me, there's going to be a ton of people – once we get into the season saying, oh, yeah, this guy looked really good in the fall and didn't attend anything in the fall. I'm just going to go ahead and prepare you for that. Uh, or they struggled with this in the fall. They weren't there. I'm just telling you. So Mike is uh, writing, wrote, wrote a, uh, writing a series of articles. Uh, the first one went out uh, yesterday, 100 days, 100 days of baseball. And uh, so we're, we're excited to get back out there. But uh, talking to some people in pro circles, they, they believe this pitching staff is – much better than what we put on the field last year, even in the fall. And a lot of it's got to do with the fact that, you know, Cal Stevens has come in and done a good job for us, and that Nate Dome uh, looks to be an even better pitcher than he was a year ago. And let's be honest, he was our best kid last year. Let's just call it for what it is. He worked as a reliever, worked as a closer, worked as a starter. Wherever we had a team need, 
Nate said, Coach, just give me the baseball. Uh, how we use him is interesting. I've had a couple of scouts tell me they think he could be a bona fide Friday night guy. But then you wonder what's behind him, right? You know, what do you have in the bullpen? Is he better served as the first guy of the bullpen or a weekend starter? Uh, I think Gerangelo is going to certainly be your Friday or Saturday starter. I've had some people in Major League Baseball uh, scouting circles that tell me that he is another guy that is a bona fide SEC weekend starter. It's just a matter of uh, where State wants to use him. And he's gotten much better this fall on the left side. That was really the challenge at times last year is do we – you know, do we continue to do this ambidextrous thing or uh, do we just stick with right-handed? But uh, he has made some real strides. Left-handed went home and worked hard and then has come back and looks to be a much more polished product than he was last year. And I think down the stretch, the thing with Gerangelo, just kind of talking to some people close to the baseball program, Gerangelo just lost his confidence last year. And I think Justin Parker coming in has helped. I think, Ju- I think Justin has helped push Gerangelo in a very positive way, and he looks completely different on the mound. He does. Now, we've got some other pieces, of course, we've got to figure out. Uh, but when I think when you begin to think about this weekend, like if I was putting together the lineup for this weekend and we're getting ready to put a pitching rotation together, I would have Gerangelo on Friday, Holcomb on Saturday, and uh, probably Cal Stevens on Sunday, based on what I've seen. And that's not a slide at Nate. I think Slate may still be our excuse me, Nate may still be our most valuable pitcher. And he said, but Steve to put the best guy where he can help us the most. I think Nate might be able to help us better when we can pick and choose when he pitches. And what I mean by that is, is let's say that Duranzo goes out there and gives you five, six innings on Friday night, and then I get bring in Nate to close out that ball game. I mean, Nate's a guy that's capable of getting us three quality innings and then maybe be able to come back on Sunday and give you one. I don't know. But let's say, for an example, we get in a 1-1 ball game late. Maybe I don't want to spend Nate on Friday. Maybe I save him for Saturday when we have a lead. I kind of like having that flexibility with, with what is arguably my most explosive pitcher. Colby Holcomb, and everybody you talk to that has been around Colby Holcomb will tell me and tell you he is in a better situation now than he's ever been. Uh, for some reason, Colby and Fox just didn't jihaw. Uh, one of the things that I was told is that Colby loves throwing the changeup uh, for a strikeout pitch, and Fox didn't believe in the pitch, and so we didn't call it very often. There was a lot of rub and discontent about that, you know. But Colby Holcomb looks like a different pitcher today. He showed some flashes last year where you kind of saw what Major League Baseball teams saw in him. He is a much more polished product today. and I think a lot of that has been Justin Parker's tutelage. And so I think you begin to kind of put this thing together. And listen, I get it. There's so many people that are scared to believe right now, and I understand. Because baseball has been such a you know, proud part of the Mississippi State experience. In the last two years, we just really hadn't had much to cheer about. And so we want to be able to get back into contention for some big things. We want to be able to host regions. We want to be able to, to attend the tournament, potentially go to Omaha. I think this team, based on what we've seen so far, provided people continue to stay healthy – I think this is a team that certainly is a tournament team. Is this a team good enough to go to Omaha? I'm not willing to go that far. There's just so many moving pieces to all of this. And I think Connor Hyzak is a huge, huge part of things for State. Huge. Because you're going to be replacing Ledbetter. You know, this is a guy that could steal bases. This is a guy that could hit for average. And then, listen, down the stretch, an SEC play, 
people began to kind of recognize some holes and flaws in his swings. They began to exploit that. You know, Isaac, of course, is a guy that played at VCU, had some big years there, probably didn't get enough ABs for us last year. But he's going to be out there in center. And we're going to have to have him uh, be a very big part of our offense. Now, you, you know what you have around him, but I think in order for us to have some length in this lineup, uh, Isaac's got to be that dude. And Lamontis told me when we sat down here a couple weeks ago that he felt Amani Larry was a leadoff guy, which tells me obviously he's going to play every day. Still figuring out the two-hole thing and the five-hole thing. I think you know where three and four are looking like, you know, with Dakota Jordan, Hunter Hines, right? I think we all know that. And then you kind of go from there. Ross Highfield, where does he fit? You know, uh, Ross is a guy that has had a tremendous fall. And so when I begin to think about how these things kind of piece together, uh, like it is every year, it's going to pull down to pitching. I think we're going to be able to score runs with anybody. I don't think we're going to have uh, near the defensive problems that we've had. And so if you begin to work through that too and say, hey, if we can just stop walking the ballpark, Steve, we got a chance to be competitive every weekend on the SEC. And that's true. But I think one of the things that this team needs more than anything else is you need some edge. You know, Tanner Allen and Rowdy Jordan, Jake Mangum, Brent Rooker, those guys just kind of carried themselves with a swagger, and they backed it up on the field. How many times did you see it in 2021? Tanner Allen came up late in the ball game and either got the big hit or found a way to get on base. I only remember one situation where he didn't do it, and that was in that game against Missouri. He comes up late, doesn't get it done. Uh, ground out, if I remember correctly. I don't know that we have a lot of those guys last year on the team. I know Hunter Hines and Dakota Jordan are those guys. And they want to be up there in that situation. You know, DJ, of course, with the big hit last year against Ole Miss, you had to win the game. You had a big walk-off. We all celebrated. But we're going to have to have some dudes. And I think Bryce Chance is a guy, too, that, that can be a key component of this team. Uh, defensively, he has really taken some strides. I don't know how well he could track the baseball last year. And, and I'm not being critical. But you see him out there this year, he looks a lot more comfortable. And so I think if we played a ball game this weekend, you'd have Chance in left, Isaac in center, Dakota Jordan in right. Makes perfect sense. And that's more Dakota's more natural position with that big arm that he has. Connor Isaac obviously is um, you know a guy that played some at third base last year. He's played some at left field. Uh, he's going to have to be a dude for us. He's going to have to run the bases. He's going to have to play defense well. He does have a big arm, and that, all, that helps. I think defensively we're going to be a really good outfield. Logan Kohler at third. Uh, Mershon and Cup will both play some at short. I'm interested to see how they handle that whole dynamic with the middle infielders, as we discussed. You know what you got with Hunter Hines and Ross Highfield. But the best thing about that, too, is there's so many options in these young guys. Uh, you know, for D.A., Jackson McKenzie's a guy. You know, you guys that we've recruited well. And that's the thing I think you look at, especially when you look at the portal. We got some good guys in the portal. Uh, we didn't get a couple of the big guys that we wanted. That's well documented. But I think the high school recruits that we've signed are all going to be difference makers. Not all of them, but uh, there's some difference makers in that class, not just for this year, but next year. We just got to define some roles, right? And, um, you know, it's part of the deal. You know, who's going to be the closer? You know, if Aaron Nixon had elected to stay, I would feel even better about the season. And, of course, he ended up signing a free agent deal. You know, he initially you know, didn't get drafted. And we said, okay, he'll be back. And then he got a UFA deal. And we wish that guy the best, man. And I uh, wish he'd have had a healthy year at Mississippi State and had a chance to get in the postseason. But, uh, yeah, we'll figure those things out. Uh, and if you change your gears a little bit, uh, When the Bottom Falls, my newest book, will finally be printed 
uh, next week. It's already in production now. They, they say that they expect production to be completed by the 9th. That's six days from now. And then they'll ship it. And then uh, the books will arrive in Madison. I'll sign them. We'll get them out to you. If you haven't ordered yet, let me encourage you to do so. Many of you have been waiting for a while. Because shortly after I finished the book, they went ahead and opened it up for pre-sales. And, um, but when the bottom falls, basically, you know, it's, it's my life's lessons learned in 30-plus years of recovery. And uh, talk a lot about growing up in South Mississippi and, you know, being raised in the church and how, you know, I became the prodigal son in many respects. But I wrote this book um, not in any way to praise me. Uh, am I proud of the life that I've led? Absolutely. Are there some things that I would do differently? I don't know because uh, I don't like to live with regrets. There are some people that I heard along the way that I wish I wouldn't have, right? I think we all have those same regrets. Uh, but, you know, I'm the exception rather than the rule. As I've shared before, it was a study I read years ago uh, done by the Betty Ford Clinic that one in 25 people that struggle with addiction get help. One in 25 people actually get professional help. That's 4%. And then of that group, one in 25 of those people have a period of a year of sobriety or longer. So you're 4% of 4%. And there are a lot of people out there that are painting some big rosy picture. You know, I'm not going to get into the whole debate about, you know, what's recovery. You know, I work a program of complete abstinence. I haven't had any drugs or alcohol since December 10th, 1991. There are other people out there and say, yeah, but you can still do this and you can still do that. I don't think that's recovery. And it's not a topic that I'm going to get in on the show. Um, but the reality of it is, is that um, I wrote this book in hopes of helping people. And uh, maybe you want to learn a little more about me. Maybe you want to learn more about addiction. Maybe you know somebody that's in recovery or some people that are in addiction. Uh, I wrote this book because I'm hopeful that we can help people understand, but also, too, maybe there's somebody out there that's in the throes of addiction or maybe perhaps uh, heading in that direction, and maybe we can give them a little hope. That's what it's about. It's hope, strength, and experience. Because as long as there is breath, there is hope, right? While you're there, you can pick up all my sports books. That's Alpha Dogs, Flim Flam, and Stark Villains. Very excited about those books, and a lot of people are on me to write another sports books next year. Maybe we will. You know, we'll see how things go. Uh, a little bit later, getting this one out than we wanted to, uh, but it is what it is. You know, it's in time for the holidays, and we, I would have hoped to have had it out, you know, in October. Uh, but you know, that's the production thing. I remember back when we did Dogpile, they were telling us they'd have it out by the end of November in time for the holidays, and we didn't get it till February. Had a national paper shortage back then. You know, this time there was just, you know, there was all these little problems with typesetting and getting files dropped off and things that I don't handle. And uh, so that's all been taken care of. So now, uh, again, they told me on or around the 9th they would finish production. Maybe that means the 8th, maybe that means the 10th. But uh, we'll keep you updated. But, again, you know, we're, we're about 10 days away, I guess, from officially releasing the book. I can't wait to see it on the shelves. I can't wait to get your reviews. And again, there's some things in that book that's going to make some people that love me awfully uncomfortable. There's some things in there that I don't ordinarily talk about. And uh, I share that not in any way to, um, to praise me, uh, but to praise a program of recovery uh, that allowed me to overcome some things that are very, very, very difficult. And uh, I'm very open and transparent about those things, not in any way to praise me, but in hopes of, uh, of helping others. Because there are a lot of people out there, there's such a stigma even to this day, you know, people don't want to talk about it. You know, that's the thing. I, one thing I'll say about Mississippians, man, we, we live with a lot of true grit. We really do. We have a real quiet dignity about us. But there are other times, too, when people are truly hurting. It's like we just sit on it. We don't want to talk about it. We don't want to share it. We don't want to be a burden to other people. 
And how many times do you find out, you know, somebody that you knew or you loved or that you grew up with, and all of a sudden you find out they killed themselves? And you're like, oh, man, I wish I'd known. I wish I'd known. Let me encourage you, if you're feeling that way, call somebody. And if it can't be somebody that you know, dial 988 on your phone. 988 on your phone. The call is free. It's Suicide Prevention Hotline. Call them. Speak to them. And uh, maybe they can help direct you. Yeah, because, again, there's no point in making a, te- a permanent solution over a temporary setback. Life is long. It is. Life is long. A lot can change. And uh, so I hope you'll come spend a part of your life with us this weekend at Davis Wade Stadium as we, uh, we host Kentucky and hopefully we can win a ball game. That, that's the important aspect of all this, right? You play the games to win the game, right, Herm? You don't just play it to play it. We absolutely need to win this weekend. And uh, it would change a lot in the minds of some people. But, it, listen, that's not going to change the fact that we left some points and, and plays on the field. We can't go back and fix that. You can't change the past, but you can change what it means. Let that motivate us and go get a dub this weekend. You get a win this weekend, and it puts you in a much better position. You lose this weekend, and it's going to be a very, very difficult November. And, and that's, again, you know my thoughts about the ball game. But if you can win this week and get a win over Southern Miss, you never know what could happen in the Egg Bowl. You never know. And not to mention, you know, we've had some success at College Station. So are any of these games sure losses? No. Are they certain wins? No. You know, you feel really good about that Southern Miss game. But we've got to find an SEC win or two somewhere along the way. And hopefully we can find a way to do it. And I, I will tell you, I, I did run into Zach Arnett last night, as you would expect, at uh, Zach's uh, dog talk show. And uh, he seems good. It really does. There are times that I've, you know, I've talked to him, it seems a little down to me. I, I think his mood is good. I think the team is prepared to play, and hopefully we can go out there on Saturday and find a way to get a win against the University of Kentucky and extend that winning streak uh, against the Wildcats in our home venue. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corian's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corian.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corian.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.